0: Hey frazzled women, welcome to another episode of La Vital Core Salon. This is our virtual lounge for the frazzled type A's, imposters, and overscheduling addicts out there. And as always, I'm your host and Salinaire, Kara Martin Snyder. And just a reminder: I know this is flagged as explicit, um, which always cracks me up in terms of seeing my show listed in iTunes. But this podcast does feature adult women having adult conversations, and sometimes I'm a little potty-mouthed. So if you have little ones or anyone around that's just not down with that kind of language, please plug in your headphones. And as you know, if you've been a regular listener, my job is to introduce you to modern women who are out there leaving their unique stain or impact on the world without letting bullshit or burnout slow them down. And today, I want you to meet Minda Hartz. And Minda is the founder and CEO of The Memo. And our conversation just took so many different turns and twists. And I'm going to let Minda introduce her role and what she does at The Memo and talk a little bit more about the organization. But I can say that... For anyone listening who has ever felt like an imposter or more importantly felt like they either didn't have a seat at the table or didn't know what the hell to do when they did get that seat at the table, this is the conversation for you. Um, One of the things that Minda nor I hadn't really mentioned in the the podcast itself, was how both of us were first-generation college students. And I really personally resonated with a lot of what she was talking about in terms of having that seat at the table, you know, really earning that seat at the table, and then sort of getting there but not knowing quite what to do. So we talk about that. We also talk a lot about being intentional with communication and networking and really being of service. We cover so much stuff. She brings a lot of great and really practical information and flings some questions back at me. So it's a real back and forth today, and I I can't wait for you to hear the episode. It was awesome, and big props to Cara Rhoda, who was an old coworker of mine back in my finance days when I was the controller of cookster.com. And Kara was the one who recommended that I reach out to Minda and have her on the show. So, Kara, if you're listening, thank you. I always appreciate when people recommend guests and have me introduced. I'm always grateful for someone introducing me to someone new. So, Kara, if you're listening, thank you so much for the introduction to Minda's work. And with that, I'll stop blabbing at you so you can hear me blab with Minda. Hey, Minda, welcome to La Vital Core Salon. Hey, I'm happy to be here. It is so awesome to have you here. And I have to say, as, as I went down the rabbit hole out on the interwebs and everywhere stalking you online, I've been getting more and more excited about having, having you on the show. And there's probably a million questions, but maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about the memo which is the organization that you're the founder and CEO of, and maybe scratch the surface on, you know, some of the 999 things that you do as founder and CEO. <laughs>
1: yes, well, thank you again for having me.
0: I'm so excited for our conversation today.
1: And the memo essentially is um, it's for all women, but we have a very intentional approach to helping women of color take control of their careers and, uh, providing them access and resources to real tangible advice and not so much the advice, but the network that goes along with it. And also education, because we talk about the seat at the table, but if you're not prepared to sit at the table, then, you know, it's kind of like, what, what's the chair for, right? So everybody's <laughs> not prepared. <laughs> You know, I can look nice with my lipstick on, and you know. But are you ready to have a voice? Are you ready to? Do you know what fork to use when you sit down to a business meeting? So it was really important for me to create a space uh, built for women of color by a woman of color, because a lot of the career platforms these days, and and no shade to these, because I use them for and continue to use them for a very long time. But it's non women of color telling women of color how to build their career, and representation is so important. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But I I essentially created this platform along with my co founder, Lauren, for boot camps, we do career boot camps on and offline to help women at every stage of their career. And being two people within the company, we function like we're 80 of us, but we just really (laughs) pound the pavement (laughs) each and every day. And, you know, Lauren takes the skills that she's really good at. And she puts them into the business and I do the same. And so um, we just make it work. And as a founder, you're fundraising, you're the community outreach, you're the website person. Uh, You know, it's not always this glamorous Instagram life, but the but the winning part is when you get to meet the women and you're helping them make changes in their career. That's that's the awesome part.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Minda, some of the boot camp programs that you mentioned, what are some of the topics that you tend to cover?
1: Yes. Well, when we first started, we started with salary negotiation because when you hear that seventy-seven cents on the dollar number for women, it doesn't include women of color, and so we fall anywhere from you know fifty-four cents to sixty-four cents. And so I got really annoyed by always hearing that number, and I said, you know, um, as a woman of color, and you don't always know. I mean, as a woman, period, you don't always know what you should be asking for, how you should be asking, and so that's the boot camp we started with. So that's the signature boot camp. And the most popular one, because uh, as you know, um, we all need a little bit of extra help when it comes to crafting that ask. And so we also have career transitions, because as we both know, women do like to transition careers. And what does that look like? And how do you do it strategically so that you get the best bang for your buck as well? And then etiquette to leadership, just every phase of your career that you may need a little extra help, and we provide that, a, a curated approach to helping you prepare for your seat at the table.
0: That's amazing. And I love that you cover etiquette. I, I mean, I was smiling when you were talking about having a seat at the table, but not knowing what fork to use. Yes. And I remember very distinctly, um, I think it was when I was interviewing for an internship with PricewaterhouseCoopers, like my junior year of college, And I remember getting invited to some fancy dinner and being so excited that my grandmother had been up my ass my whole (laughs) life as a kid about this is the salad fork, this is the dessert fork, this is the right spoon. Because it's like you don't think about those skills until you actually need them in the moment and you're having that like complete imposter oh shit moment.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I remember sitting down for my first fancy dinner and just watching everybody like there's a crap load of, you know, silverware, a lot of cups, little big cups. And, you know, I thought the fanciest meal that I had been to was like, you know, Ponderosa at that point. So I'm like, <laughs> ah, I don't know, buffets don't have all these options. So, you know, you, you do feel a little, you don't want to ask, but you, you know, you look around and I, I just want women to feel comfortable when they sit down. So all those little things that create that imposter syndrome, you don't have
0: it so much. That's amazing. So there is a real element of, this is going to sound weird to say, like user experience, like kind of recognizing those small, subtle, but really impactful challenges that that women are going to be up against.
1: Absolutely, because we already have enough struggles. So I always say, you know, never give a, anyone a reason to tell you no, and always stay ready. So maybe you might not have a real business dinner for the next 10 years but when you sit down and you see those forks and you see those spoons you'll know which one you need to pick up when and i think that's really important
0: <laughs> so how did you end up coming to start the memo and start doing this work
1: you know i i've always been someone who volunteered so that was something that i've been doing and i i would like to thank my parents for that because ever since we were young we'd go to um help serve the homeless and even when one period of time we were kind of homeless but uh, we served we just learned to serve and so for me when I continued to climb the corporate ladder it was really important for me to turn back and 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 help women that look like me because through my career I didn't have any mentors business mentors that look like me so I was getting all this great information but you know when Things happened, and I knew that it was because of either my color or being a woman. I didn't have anyone to talk to about it because you don't want to seem like you're creating a situation that's not there or maybe this person, because they're not in your shoes. They don't really, they can only empathize, but you can't really talk about it. And so I just wanted to be what I wish I would have had. And so it was really important for as we create seats at the table that if I have a seat, then I want to other women that look like me to have a seat as well. But I also want them to feel like they belong there. You not just this rah-rah, come get your seat, girl. But, you know, you have a voice. And, and when you sit down, you're ready to lead at the, at the head of the table. So I think – so that was really important. How can I make an impact uh, in career development and create more seats?
0: Got it. Got it. And, Minda, I want to back up because you sort of, like, zoomed right past this point. You know, you mentioned – climbing the corporate ladder, but it sounds like you started at a pretty low rung at some point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It it took a long time to figure it out because I think when you don't know what you don't know, you have to start figuring out what those steps look like. And I didn't have an official mentor. I didn't have, um, you know, my parents weren't in corporate America, so they couldn't give me that type of advice. I just didn't have those people in my life. So I just started to read a lot and use magazines and I created these mentors in my mind and I saw, well, this person's doing this and that person's doing that and I see that, oh well, this person was promoted because they did, you know, because they came to work an hour early, you know. So I just started to pick up on the the things that resonated with me and I've always been a very hard worker, so you know, coming in an hour too early was it has never been a thing. But I realized if I wanted to get to the top, and I wanted to be a decision maker, then there were certain things that I'm going to have to do to get there. And um, I want other women to, to know, I want them to have the handbook, you know, and not have to do so much guesswork.
0: Yeah, there's enough that we have to experiment with attempt, fail, pivot, you know, pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off from. So I mean, I can totally, totally understand wanting to kind of create that handbook and yes. eliminate some of the unnecessary <laughs> guesswork.
1: Yeah, because some of that stuff you you can eliminate, right? You know, how do you deal with conflict resolution in the workplace? Uh, you know, when is it appropriate? to speak up. And when you're speaking up, it's, you know, is it moving the conversation forward? So all these sorts of things that you just, you're plagued with on building your career and, and some of that stuff, somebody could just say, you know, hey, girl, just do this a little bit differently and see what type of results you'll get. And I, I just think if we have more of those conversations in the workplace, helping women advance, I think that we'd be so much further along than we really are.
0: And you talked about having some kind of it, like imaginary mentors along the way. <laughs> who, yes. Who were some of those mentors? Do you remember? You know, so I, as cliche
1: as this might sound, but seeing Oprah Winfrey, because again, representation was so important. So seeing her, you know, as someone that built her career, she came from the South, she, you know, was a journalist, and then she moved to having her own show, and she created this, she kept reinventing herself along the way. And I think that that really resonated with me. And so I watched her um, build her career and build her empire. And then I watched, um, you know, other women uh, along the way. I, I grew up in a very uh, religious household. So a lot of my mentors, even a- along that path, were, you know, female preachers and and uh, things of that sort. So I just saw how people like Joyce Myers, she was she still is doing a lot of things, you know, how they build their platform, you know, how they dressed. These certain women that just, quote unquote, made it, what did they do to get there? And so I just studied those things along the way. And I wish I would have had the internet when I was younger, because I would have been so much further along with Google. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, and just reading books, I think it, that that's important. I, I spent a lot of time at the public library, and uh, Maya Angelou was a really big, Influence back then, my uh, one of my aunts gave me a few of her books. So I just reading was definitely fundamental, and it just expanded my mind into what I could be, even if I didn't necessarily have anyone in my circle that looked like me. I knew that it was possible.
0: So you've just been literally a vacuum for information from as far back as you can remember.
1: <laughs> as far back as I can remember, uh, I would. Ah, uh, called. Dif- I, I used the phone book was like my go-to thing growing up, and I would just call different businesswomen and, and men in my community and ask, "Could I volunteer? Could I job shadow?" Uh, I worked different jobs just to get different insights. So it was really important for me to figure out what the blueprint was. So even as a grocery bagger, as a um, a teenager, the customer service and how relationship building. Uh, helped me later in my career, you know, so all these little things, I didn't look at them as, oh, this is just a job I have to do, but trying to get those hard and soft skills to help um, catapult me along the way.
0: That's amazing. Your level of hustle is, is just kind of amazing to hear. Like, where did that come from for you? I think just
1: growing up with from very humble beginnings and not having a lot of money in our household. You get really creative uh, because, you know, there's a lot of things that if we looked at the bank account, I wouldn't be able to do. But if I figured out how to do them or who to call or um, offering my services bartering, I mean, (laughs) I I just went so far with that. I learned how to horseback ride that way. Um, I went on different trips that that I wanted to go on because of that. Uh, You know, for me, it was just leveraging my, my personal brand, even though back then I didn't know what it was, but, but <laughs> build, building those relationships and just asking, I think half the battle was sometimes just because your circumstance may seem like the answer is no, it doesn't mean it has to be a no. And that's the way I looked at everything.
0: So I imagine for a lot of women listening, and, and please know I'm a huge, I'm more like the ask for forgiveness it's instead of permission, kind of model. <laughs> yes, and it sounds like you probably work a little bit under that as well. I think you have to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I know a lot of people listening. The idea of asking sometimes is so absolutely terrifying that it paralyzes people. And yet, you were you were really hustling and, and asking and taking a taking a shot at it. From such an early age, did you feel the fear D- or what what allowed you to do that so i 'm sure that I did feel the fear, but I guess the
1: main thing is I felt like if i didn 't ask, then this wasn 't going to happen for me i i didn 't want to settle for oh well, we don 't have the money to do it, so you 're never going to learn how to ride horses until you get older and you could pay for it well that wasn 't a good enough answer for me and, and so for me it 's <laughs> like okay that's cool. Um, How could I get this done? And with that example, I just went through the phone book and I called ranches and I said, you know, I'd love to learn how to ride. Could I come and help out around the stables in return? And after a few no's from the ranches, I did get a yes. And I think we just have to look at some of those things. So had I stopped at my parents or had I stopped at the first no, then I wouldn't still be riding horses today. And so I think if you have a goal. You can't let no or you can't let fear get the best of you cuz I was afraid of animals for some weird reason I was afraid of animals but I wanted to learn how to ride horses and so
0: you <laughs> so you wait like you're afraid of animals so you pick the largest animal you could find
1: I know I think that's like the napoleon complex you know I I'm 411 you just want to go for the bi- you go for the gold
0: <laughs> Me too. Yes. And the funny part is when my husband and I got married, his grandfather did a family tree for us. Like that's his big hobby and so he added my branch. And I've always joked about the Napoleon complex because I'm also 411. And the <laughs> funniest part in all of it was my French Canadian family literally has like 20 Napoleons. Like 20 men named Napoleon in my family. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> it's hilarious. I was bred for it. And so I know exactly you were bred. what you mean.
1: Yes, you just go, go as they say, go big or go home. And so I think we just have to look at our, our goals that way. If it's that important to you, then there's nothing that's going to stop you.
0: This is amazing. Like, And Minda, where did you get this work ethic, right? Because like you were hustling. You weren't just like this kid like on summer vacation hanging out. You were like hustling ranchers for opportunities to ride the biggest, scariest animal you could. And it... It sounds like that was probably just the tip of the iceberg. You know, I think it was circumstance
1: that pushed me into that. I'd like to say, oh, I take the credit just because I was a go-getter. But I think when you grow up poor, that's essentially what it was. When you grow up poor and you have ambition, you don't let the lack of resources stop you. And so for me, that's just how for some reason I just thank God for having that mindset because even my mom will say, I don't know where you got this from <laughs> and my dad will say, <laughs> you know, I don't know where you got it from. And so and I can't say really where I it just was in me. I think the best thing I could say, I was born this way and it just it keeps going and it and I'm thankful for that for that passion and that drive
0: And so Minda, because self care is such a a huge challenge for some of the listeners you know i'm i'm hearing this drive i'm hearing this level of go getting i'm hearing you are an incredibly driven woman and have always been driven woman have you ever been so driven that you practically drove yourself over the edge
1: yes absolutely uh, i think probably a few times a year i just hit that wall you're just going so fast there's so many things that you want to do and i don't think until a year ago i started to Really understand. I love the idea of self-care. I was all for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, in nebulous self-care. theory,
1: <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. I, I want more of it. But I wasn't sure how, how that worked, especially building a business. You really can't take a day off and, and those sorts of things. But working seven days a week for, for so long, I started to hit a wall. And even in my previous life, I would travel probably 90% of, or more of the time. And so I was always living out of a suitcase. And I think at some point, the older I got, I just realized that I couldn't function this way. If, if success is important or having a family or traveling, then if I'm not going to be there to, to enjoy it and I don't have my sanity and I don't have my health then it was all for nothing. And so I just remind myself that at least once or twice a week, I have to just create it for myself, rather that's going, getting a massage for an hour where I don't have to check on the phone, I don't have to talk to anybody, or it's just um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6am, that's when I work out and I don't bring my phone with me. I think you have to really be intentional about the self-care or you'll go crazy and then you, all this wonderful drive that you had, they'll be visiting you uh, locked up, you know, somewhere because (laughs) you... (laughs) You know, you didn't you just had a mental breakdown and those things happen, you know, so we really have to be accountable and be introspective of of our life because nobody it's our it's our body. So people can say slow down, but ultimately we have to put the brakes on it and and add that self-care truly is important.
0: It it absolutely is. And, you know, I say that from the, the perspective of someone who's been working with women Privately, for about seven seven and a half years now, and what I'm always shocked by is how long women wait to reach out. You know, like how bad the symptoms have gotten, how the level of spent that they're feeling, you know, how empty the gas tank feels, and how much it's impacting their family, their work, and and to your point, sometimes just their their overall mood. you know, I don't get to diagnose sanity or versus not sanity <laughs> but I can say I do see a lot of anxiety and and depression which are often symptomatic of of what's going on underneath like sometimes that's not just a reaction to what's happening in the day to day but like that the the stress has eroded the health so much that now anxiety and depression are symptoms of other dysfunction in the body. I agree. I think I hear my girlfriends and I I say it too, sometimes
1: I'm so anxious. I'm so overwhelmed. I, I mean, I could, if I had a dollar for every time I heard one of my girlfriends or myself say in a one week that I'm so overwhelmed. And I think that's where the self care comes in. Our body is telling us to slow down or make time. But, you know, for some reason, we just aren't listening like we should.
0: Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, when, when you were talking about the travel, that was a big trigger for me to feel burnt out. Like, like I think I was traveling probably at the same level as you for a bit in the early stages of my career and quickly recognized what level of soul erosion that was causing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like travel was one of those triggers for you. Were there other things that kind of clued you in to, I've really got to start taking better care of myself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I hated to tell people no. So even if I had a whole lot on my plate, I was like, you know, a, a boss woman, she doesn't say no. She just says, you know, she takes <laughs> she takes more on. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to like, you know, hurt myself. But rather it was, you know, in corporate America, whenever there was a project or a committee. Uh, I had an early mentor once say, never say no. And so I, I took that to, like, the <laughs> ends, ends of the earth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny? So- like, you, you get this, like, really well-intentioned advice from a mentor. And it's, like, the exact recipe to how to, like, drive yourself into the ground.
1: Yes. Yes. And I did. I drove myself straight. I don't have much to work with first off for 11, but I drove myself into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think at some point you just have to be strategic, right? You don't have to say yes to everything, but there's certain things that if your boss or someone high senior level or someone that potentially could be a mentor to you in the future, saying yes to those things, but you know, knowing when to say no, I think is the life lesson that I'm continuously learning. And, and for me, I realized that that was my trigger, just always saying yes.
0: What have you learned on that front? Like, what do you use to help you decide this is a yes, this is a no? Well, in recent years,
1: how will this move what I'm working on forward? And so and then I think about the people in my life. So I definitely prioritize. So investing in myself is important in what I'm doing, but also that re- reciprocity. So how can I help others that are important to me get to where they're going. And so I I just think about priorities and, you know, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of people in my network and I'd love to help every single person. But um, one of the things that I've recently started to consider, I haven't actually done it and maybe you do this is have like a group coaching call. So I can't meet with 50 women if they reach out to me in a month, but I might be able to, but at one point I would try right? Yep.
0: <laughs> and I've, tried. I've hit that right? wall. Yes.
1: <laughs> but now I'm just thinking smarter. So, okay, I can't meet with all these women, but I still want to talk to them. I still want to connect with them. And so, you know, let's do a monthly coaching call or let's do, you know, an event where everybody can come and we can just talk because I think it's just thinking things through saying not right now. So maybe you do want to do it, but using that too. So I hate saying no, but maybe I'll say, you know, touch back and a month or two. I still want to work on this, but right now is not a good time. And I think the more you practice, the better you'll become of seeing, you know, what's a priority right now and what could be, what can we push off for at least a month or two?
0: That's huge. And I'm, I definitely can double down on that working that sometimes it's like when, when someone reaches out to me cold, especially if it's, you know, the nebulous kind of networking question or, you know, like I'm always having to prioritize, like, is this a way I can answer the question for several people? And, you know, now I, it's, that was one of the motivators for starting this podcast. I recognize I was getting very similar yeah. questions from very disparate people. And I thought this is a way for me to invite guests that are even more of an expert on a particular topic that keeps coming up in the flotsam and jetsam for me and be able to answer it in a way so when when the question comes up again, I can literally just send people a snippet of the conversation in a link, and say, "Yeah, I had this cre- great conversation with Minda, and we talked about that. Here, see if this see if this is what answers your question." I think that's great. No, that's awesome. Yeah, because I I hit that like this is not sustainable. Like you know, getting ten or, or twenty emails in a week of like, "Hey, can I pick your brain?" for a moment. like I de- And similarly, I want to be able to connect with everyone on a really personal level, but I also like to pee, sleep, and eat. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: you have to do those
0: things. <laughs> None of that would be possible if I was just emailing constantly.
1: Absolutely. No, it's important. I think, you know, there's a, a level to the madness, and I think you, you do have to prioritize. And it's funny because I think I... So women I would reach out to that were crazy busy, you know, they'd respond and say, no, I, I don't have time for a phone call, but send me like your top three questions in an email that I can help you with. And, you know, the er- early Minda would be like, oh, my feelings are hurt. She doesn't want to help me. But, be you know, as you grow older and uh, <laughs> And as mature, you become that person. <laughs> as you become that person, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I see why you can't do everything. But I think it's great to have outlets like yours because you know, you may not be able to sit down with everyone, but you can sit down with everyone. You know, you can be in the car with them. You can be, you know, on the train and they can hear that great advice. So I kudos to you for having this platform.
0: Thank you. And I think you raised a, another really great point too, the the whole asking for clarification for questions. Like when you're reaching out to a woman who you think is probably pretty busy or you know is pretty busy... You know, not asking the nebulous question. Like, I know in my world, um, because I've taught and mentor, coached at Integrative Nutrition, there's a lot of up-and-coming health coaches that reach out to me on the regular and are like, hey, I think what you're doing is really awesome. Can you tell me how you started your business? And, like, it's such a huge question. I mean, people write books on that question alone. So the idea that I'd be answering that, like, a thousand times over, um, you know, I finally decided I could make this a teachable moment for women and really, like, hey, I get this question a lot. Are there specific questions from my story that you think or my experience that you you have? Like, if you want to boil it down to some more really specific questions then that's something I could probably manage answering in the next, you know, few days. And really, like, pushing back for for that kind of, like, you can't just ask someone, like, tell me your whole life story in an email. <laughs>
1: True. <laughs> do you do you find that? I do. I do. And, you know, I think that the more that we talk about it, you know, A, the, the new thing is, you know, don't ask, can I pick your brain, you know? So <laughs> those are the things. You know, be intentional. I think as women, we have to just take a step back and be intentional. So if I want to connect with you, you know, I know that your interests are this, and I think that, uh, and my interests are similar. So what are the, you know, couple of questions that I can ask and say, you know, can you respond back to these or, you know, start following you on Twitter, you know, start to build some kind of rapport. Um, I'm really big on reciprocity, and I think sometimes people reach out to you and, they do need your help uh, and and you make the time when you can. But I think that there are those opportunities for teachable moments. So, you know, uh, when I was using, can I pick your brain back in the day, I had a, a woman write back like this long teachable moment of why you <laughs> never do that. <laughs> and so again, I had to like pick my feelings off the floor and be like, Oh, why, how could she treat me this way? But you know, again, it's thinking through, I have time to type this email, right? But this person may not have all the time in the world to respond. So how can I make their life easier? And I think we just have to think, again, very strategic and be very intentional about what we want and what what we have. And I think I, I, we tell women that at career boot camp, it's like, so you say you want to raise, but you can't just, you know, open your boss's kick the door open, be like, I need a raise today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if only, only it were raise? that easy. <laughs> Why do you need a raise? You know, what, it, what is it you've been doing that um, warrants this? You know, have your stuff together so that people can be like, oh, they can correct. And I think that that's the main thing, like coming correct with your any ask that it is and being strategic about it and making it as easy as pie for the person responding. And so I'm being more clear too, even just in my dealings with different individuals. Even if I want something, how can I make it easier on them as well?
0: Minda, as you're talking, I feel like we share a common love of effective communication, like really being mindful and aware of how, how your ask or how your request is going to land on someone. What are some of your go-to sources, websites, places you've gone to learn about that kind of communication?
1: I think to your point is like podcasts like yours, I am l- love listening to hearty conversations with between women and, and men and women. And I think uh, oftentimes you do get these certain gems and nuggets that you could take. And so for me, being a lifelong learner, I just listen to a lot of different things. I watch different shows and I see how they're interacting. Um, so I wish that I had like some special place that I go, but I just use everything. You know, I watch the news for a little while and I see how their relationship building is that, how could that person have been more effective in asking this question? And I, I, I try to just put myself in different positions and be reflective of, okay, if I were them or they were me, how would they want me to respond? But then also I think using Google, I mean, we all have it in our hand, we have it in our computer, you know, take some time to Research this person before you reach out to them. You know, so you don't say something that totally pisses them off before they even get to your request. You know, so <laughs> it's, you know, so it's, I think it's really it's
0: just... <laughs> hard to get a yes if they hate you.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like if you know that they just were on a podcast and they say, you know what, I hate when someone says, "Can I pick your brain?" I never even respond. Like, had you not taken that little bit of time, you might have found that. And now you're wondering why they never responded back to you. So I think we just have to, again, being intentional about our interaction. And as you said, our communication is is key. Um, you know, someone, if you're going to reach out to me and you want to talk about nutritional coaching, I'm probably not the person to talk to about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> could e- say, go talk to Kara. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think another thing, too, that I would say, and maybe you would be able to chime in on this, too, is making those introductions to other people. So um, I'm finding that reaching out to the person I want to make the introduction to first is helpful too. So you, you might say, so that building your network. So someone might email me and say, oh, can you connect me to Bank of America? I I have some, you know, I, I want a new job there. And, you know, the good thing would be, How about you send me your resume, (laughs) you know, so make it easy on me. Like, here's my resume. Here's the job I want. You know, here's the experience I have. And then I can do something with that. So I I don't know if this is making sense, but just being strategic about how you reach out in your outreach, both how you give it and how you receive it.
0: Yeah, I think what I'm hearing and what you're talking about, and you can tell me if I'm off base, is don't just spell check your email, like go back and read it as if you're the person and take the like that couple extra moments to think what is this person going to need to say yes like what are they going to if I was getting this request what would I need to know about this person or what information would I have to chase down and then don't make that person chase it <laughs> yes exactly that's exactly I wish you should have just asked yourself that question
1: because you you nailed it <laughs> I <laughs> Thank you exactly what I wanted to say, but I got off on a tangent. But uh, that's exactly it, because when you're everybody's busy, I mean, if I could count how many times in a day and I almost want to come up with a new word because I hate saying it, I'm busy, I'm busy, but everybody's busy. So (laughs) try to take that take that into account. And how can you if you know this person might be able to help you move your career or um, life forward, then. You know, think of it like Jesus. Like you're not going to come to Jesus like I stub my toe. You know, you're going to be like very (laughs) make the big big ask when you're dealing with a big guy. (laughs) Yeah, you know, just think things through. I think if we just take that moment to think them through, then I think we'll hear more yeses uh, instead of like nothing, radio silent. uh, Because I, I don't know about you, but I love when people are respectful of my time and making it easy on me. So.
0: When someone I don't know reaches out and wants something for me, whether it, it be an opinion or to be on a podcast or whatever, the more information they can give me up front to make it easy for me to say yes. Like, you know, if I get a, a podcast, a, a request to be on someone else's podcast and it and it doesn't have even a link to their show or maybe the full name of the show or an easy way for me to just kind of click through. I'm already like, Oh, this is just gonna be probably a really disorganized process that's gonna maybe not set me up to look good um, as a professional because it's going to be disorganized or rushed or last minute, and then also kind of like I, I need to know if it's a good use of my time because like you're talking about, we're all busy. we all have to make decisions. I agree. So I agree. So Minda, I have a question. And I think you'll be a great person for this because there's a struggle between like if you read the internet and best practices around like email communication, for example, you know, it's short is better, really, you know, bullet points, be really direct, be really organized. But then also as you and I have been talking, it's like make it easy for the person to have the information in that email or in that request so they don't have to like run all over the place to find stuff what do you think is a good balance for people to use?
1: I think a little bit of both. I think it's almost like an elevator pitch, right? If you're going to do the short, sweet email, then make them want to respond back and find out more or set up a call, you know, make it, pack it with a punch in those that first paragraph. But some things, if you write it the right way, even if it's what I call like a a journal entry, if you put the right information in it from the beginning to the end, then you'll keep that reader, you know, a lot of the fluff and that sort of thing. If you take some of that out, then even if it's long, that person is still staying the course. So I think it, it depends on what your ask is. You know, if, if you can ask for something in less than a paragraph, great. But if it takes a little bit longer, I say, um, you know, bullet point and just, um, yeah, I think it's definitely situational because sometimes I think, oh, well, I need to email so-and-so and I could do this in five lines or less, but then I need to email someone and it's two paragraphs, but I'm thinking if, if it were me and I had to take out the time to read two paragraphs, then those two paragraphs better be worth reading, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I got to scroll, we got, this better be good.
1: Yeah. So I think you just have to, again, be intentional about what you're putting down. If like 10 of those lines you could have done without, and that's what proofreading will will help you. So I think that's important. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I struggle because as you can tell, I'm wordy. (laughs) I like like to (laughs) chat. I like to write. Um, I think you really hit the nail on the head, though, in terms of proofreading. I spend probably an way more time on email than the average bear because i'm not just checking for spelling and then checking for grammar i'm i'm usually spending time trying to think about you know i mean honestly sometimes like especially when i have to deliver a no or not the news that someone wants to hear you know i'm always looking at like am i being an asshole in this situation Mm -hmm. because they're saying no like there's there's an assertive no and I, you know, I'm always trying to make sure that one, the tone, like I know sometimes when you're writing an email, it it doesn't land on people the same way as if I was saying no in a conversation with you and I talking right now. Um, so I, I'm always kind of watching for those things. And then, you know, if it is a request, like like we've been talking about, making sure like, all right, what are it? at least, like, two or three things, like, what would be the next obvious question or piece of information that they would ask for and try to already be in front of that? And that, that takes time. And, and, you know, it's, it's proofreading from, you know, a really basic spelling grammar perspective, but thinking about how it's gonna land on the other person or influence their or impact their decision. Absolutely, I agree. But In a day and age where people fire off emails like on their phone in 30 seconds without thinking like sometimes I feel like a grandma with this stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I agree. And, you know, I think what I think someone would rather read a very well put together long email than have to email back with you 10 times about something that could have already been solved like five emails ago. So I think, you know, the, the reply, reply, reply. I think that also... If you can get it down to a couple of emails, and so going to your point of sitting down and really thinking through what information does this person need so that we don't just keep going back and forth, back and forth, um, but it's a, if, if we are, then it's meaningful.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you work on a team. For me, I, not that long ago, um, signed up for a virtual assistant and if you want, like, an MBA in sort of crafting emails with all of the necessary information, that's a, a way to do it. And you probably, working on a team, have to think about those things all the time, like, when you're delegating and splitting responsibilities with your business partner.
1: Yes, absolutely. And thank God she's, she's the editor. Like, I, I can come up with really great uh, content and ideas. And then, you know, she makes my words look pretty. So it, it's teamwork makes the
0: dream work. <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome motto yes <laughs> I joke on this show a lot that like at some point I should have a t-shirt line with some of the quotes from the show and that would definitely be that's top 10 material right there if not top five.
1: <laughs> oh yeah we're so nerdy with it I mean we'll like text each other uh, you know can you do this D-d-d-d-. teamwork makes the dream work I mean it should just be our signature line <laughs>
0: I'm surprised you don't just have the little hashtag version now. Like, what would that be? T, W, yes, or T, M. Yeah,
1: I, I'm going to definitely start doing that just because
0: <laughs> it, it helps us.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Here's a question, and this is going to be kind of a, a totally random one. But we, when I looked on LinkedIn, I realized that one of my past guests was a common link, Jamie Lee. And... I was asking her if if there were any questions she would have for you. And she just sent me back, I knew she was busy, and she just sent me back a really quick note and said, ask her about meeting Michelle Obama. <laughs> yeah, well, that's funny. I, I just recently was introduced to Jamie
1: and uh, such a wonderful woman. I listened to your conversation in a past podcast. And Uh, I wish I would have had someone like her early in my career to get me together and and how to ask and negotiate. (laughs) uh, I needed her in a quantum leap back into like, you know, the early (laughs) 2000s to help me. Uh, I would have been much better off um, in my negotiation process, even, you know, present day, you're still learning. But um, so yeah, uh, last year I was invited to the, um, 2016 State of Women Summit hosted by uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, and I was invited as a change maker for the work that we're doing at the Memo, and it was such a it, such an honor and such a privilege. And you know, I grew up, I like to say, I was born in California, raised in Chicago, and now I have this New York state of mind. And to be with the First Lady in that environment and right before she would leave shortly after it was just everything that i ever needed and more and in you know the first lady she also came up from very humble beginnings and knowing that someone who looks like you can make it to uh the white house is i mean i'm reading a book right now about michelle obama and it's called the life and it's she's just an amazing so many things i didn't even know about her before. And I, and I'm pretty much like a stand for Michelle Obama. There's a lot of new things that I've learned. And, uh, it just helps me in that moment. It reminded me that the work that I'm doing is important. And I, and I'd love the women that are out there listening. The work that you're doing is important. And, um, sometimes we just need those friendly reminders.
0: What a great reminder. And it, I mean, I imagine as a woman of color too, like, I mean, I, I had the benefit of seeing Hillary run for president. And I was, a, I was a girl that I think until about 10th grade said I was going to be a lawyer and that I was going to be, be the president, the first female president. And obviously I found accounting shortly after that and away went a career in finance for a long time <laughs> until it eroded my health and then made a change. But um, it was really powerful, you know, watching that campaign and and thinking that there were little girls that saw Hillary. But I imagine, as a woman of color, seeing Michelle seeing seeing Barack Obama seeing our president. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it has to be transformational
1: I mean, transformational, to say the least, I never in my lifetime thought I'd ever see people of color in the White House. Uh, and so to be, you know, still in my quote unquote, youth, even in my thirties, I like to say I'm still in my youth, um, to see that it just did something for me. And I've always been that you can, you can do it and you can go as far as you want, but to actually see it and know that it exists. I mean, that's something even different. I mean, that's a glass ceiling that is breakable. And so that just gave me so much strength and so much, um, more drive to know that it's possible. And we live in a country that where anything is possible with hard work and, and dedication and, and sometimes luck. And I think that it, it's all good. And I'm, I'm just so pleased that for some young kids out there, their first president of the United States uh, they'll remember was, uh, you know, an African-American man and, and that will help them be great individuals as they grow up. And so I'm, I'm just so excited for the future.
0: And so we have that kind of forward looking thing, inspiring women, I mean, men and women, boys and girls at this point. But in the day to day of your work, I imagine you see a lot of women really struggling.
1: Yes, that that is true. And uh, one of the main things that when women come through boot camp, or we get a chance to talk with them, they say, you know, it's just nice to see other women that look like you, and know that they're partners at Goldman Sachs, and they're, you know, managing directors at you know, this place or they're, they've started their own company, sometimes you just need to see it for yourself. You need to be able to talk to them and having access to them. And so, yeah, there's a lot of women that of color that come to boot camp and they're mad at, that they're not making the same as their counterpart or they're feeling very stuck in their career and they want to move up and, and just having a space where other women get it and having access. So that's one big thing that not only do you have the, the education and and the resources, but bringing women in, like Michelle Obama, uh, who can say, hey, I've been here, I've done it, and creating these intimate environments that allow the other women to ask them questions. Because you do have to sometimes touch it, taste it, feel it, to know that it's real. And, and, and that's important. Because you can read a lot of books and you can see them on Twitter, but sometimes just being in the room with them is everything.
0: Yeah, I imagine... I don't know how to say this other than this may come off really weird to say, but to to make sure they're not an apparition, right? Like, I feel yeah. like, I mean, you can have Tupac perform at a concert, you know? Like, Yes, these days. Like, I mean, are they a hologram or are they a real person? You know, to be able to actually shake their hand and make sure your hand doesn't go through them because they're sort of a ghost. <laughs>
1: Exactly. No, I think you you, you you made that work. I think it's true. <laughs> and, uh,
0: <laughs> Sometimes it's <very> debatable. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> It's true. And so, you know, growing up, I just didn't have a lot of those women in business, black women to look up to. But, you know, half the problem is they were out there. I just didn't know they existed because they weren't what the media projected. They weren't what was in the magazines, but they, they're out there. They're doing rock star stuff. So um, we bring in the women that are crushing it that may not be in the top 40 or 50 under 50 but they're doing really awesome things and we're highlighting so to the hidden figures of women of color that are really doing amazing things we're bringing those women in and and letting them get a chance to tell their story and now the women that are there get to see wow there are more than what's you know on some of these publications or on TV and I think again just that representation and having a voice is so important and that's why I love the space that we have at the memo.
0: That's amazing, and this is gonna this is gonna be maybe a, a, a slippery segue here. You know, it sounds like you've been so good about service and contribution and promoting other women and reaching out to the women above you and asking them to help mentor you. Like you've you've really been going backwards and forwards. Have you ever experienced female rivalry? You know, I have, unfortunately.
1: And, and that, that pains me to to even say yes to, because for many years in my career, I just kind of thought, I call it woman-on-woman crime. I thought it was made up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I didn't believe it. I'm like, I've worked with some awesome women. We help each other. And um, I just didn't know that it really existed. Or I thought, well, maybe there's a few bad seeds. But um, I was working on a new project and I came into contact with a a woman who had been working there for a very long time. And the way that I almost always go into situations with women who've been there longer than me or have more experience, I always am so excited because this is an opportunity for me to learn from them. And if they're considered like the rock stars of their industry, then if I get to work with them, then I'm going to learn and glean and, and be even better at what I do. So long story short, um, I was working with a woman and she was maybe 20, 30 years older than me and was not happy that I was working (laughs) with her. (laughs) She did not, she, I guess she might've felt like, I hated to even think this of her initially that uh, she didn't want me there or it was some age thing or she, you know, felt like I was impeding upon her territory, but I came in with it like, oh, I can't wait to learn from you and work with you. But over time, it just became, (laughs) I like to say, like, uh, the devil wears Prada, Uh, even though we were not working for, I wasn't working for her, and she wasn't working for me, but it was like that Miranda uh, Priestley, and um, I forget the intern's name at the moment, but it was this really hard dynamic, like, you're trying to do everything for, to make this person, like, notice you, and take you seriously, and, and they just don't want to, and that's the thing, and it, (sighs) that was a part, a point in my life. And I don't want to go on for too much longer, but it caused a lot of, a little bit of depression because it went over into a little bit of racism. It it went into a whole lot of different things that I wasn't prepared for, nor was I able, I didn't have someone I could talk to about that. And so you just
0: festered with it, basically. I just
1: festered with it into, and, and until unfortunately it got so bad that my boss had to step in because this person was definitely being disrespectful. And uh, and sometimes those things happen and you have to know when it's time to leave. And at that point, I was so, that's when I started to think about the memo too, because um, I'm like, there has to be a space where this is not okay, where you could talk about it and you can learn from it, not woe is me, but how do we get past this? And so uh, those are the conversations that we sometimes have because they're real.
0: Yeah, I mean, it It sounds funny, and maybe some of my clients share this kind of stuff with me because they know I came from a background in finance and working in New York and kind of this, like, hostile sort of environment in my formative Mm -hmm. years. But I'm surprised sometimes still how much those kinds of interactions with coworkers, and especially with other women... Really play into how good or bad people are feeling on a, a physiological basis as well as a psychological basis. So, it, I mean, what I'm hearing from you today, Minda, and thank you for sharing that, is parallels a lot of conversations I've had over the years. And remarkably, the women that are really like the type A go getting achievers you know it it's it's a big punch to a lot of them you know because they're sort of they're making their way in the world and trying really hard and you know sometimes trying to people please especially Mm -hmm. earlier in their career and then they're met with this kind of i love that like woman on woman what is it woman on woman violence
1: (laughs) yeah woman on woman crime yeah Yeah, woman on woman crime (laughs) it does hurt it hurts and for someone like me i'm like oh you don't like me? you What? <laughs> you know, and you start to get all in your head and you start to second guess yourself and am I really good? You know, all these things. And if you don't have good advocates in the workplace to deal with that, um, you know, and I had a, I had a, a, a male boss and I think he was, he didn't know what to do about <laughs> it, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah, they're usually like, ah, someone's probably going to cry too. And
1: then- <laughs> yeah, and I let it get so I'd let it, I felt like I could fight through it Um, and not in a way of like um, verbally, but I'm like, well, if I just keep going and do my job and do it well, then eventually, you know, this is going to go away and it didn't go away. And I wish that I would have been my best advocate at that point. So if I had to go back and say, Minda, you know, get your together. That was that moment that I wish I would have been a little more vocal and I would have, spoke up for myself a little bit more because we can be our best advocate at times. And if we allow other people or you're waiting for other people to step in and do it for you, it may never
0: happen. That's great advice. Were there any other takeaways from that situation that you see playing out in your own life now or playing out in the work that you do?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm just really big on just, you know, learning how to find your voice and learning how to use it strategically you know so when you do come against women on women crime or hate it's not like let me tell you what I think and you know getting all (laughs) finger waving and (laughs) It, it never that never works right but I think that you just have to know that you're worth it and you have to tell yourself so I would second guess myself when dealing with this person and I had everything I needed right inside me. That's why I was promoted into that space. And so sometimes even if people are treating you a certain kind of way, you have to remember why you're there and what your why is, and no one can take that away from you. And and I think that I let her like try to take it away from me. And you, you just have to, you know, stand your ground and know that this is your life and, um, you can't let someone take your joy or take your happiness in any situation. And I and I think that don't give people so much power is the other takeaway.
0: Brilliant takeaway. And I'm I'm so glad you articulated that because I I, I really do think that's some a message more women need to hear. Like I said, I'm endlessly surprised. Like, you know, women whose credentials I look at, you know, sometimes when I work with a new client, like they'll come to me and you know they'll sort of tell me what they do or you know that they're managing a house with like four kids and you know I'm like whoa like this person's got s- they've got their act together like I I get why they're they're maybe feeling overwhelmed and burnt out and worn out i mean that's usually when i get get the call but i think sometimes i'm i'm blown away that even the women at the top are still snagged by this kind of bullshit so thank you for that message i i really think that's something everyone needs to hear all women need to hear minda i know you're crazy busy um (laughs) there are some questions that i i want to ask you the the champagne questions and so this is sort of my intellectual way of of pouring a glass for us to clink and learning a little bit about how you get it all done beyond what we've been talking about so far And so I want to ask you, what's your most impactful habit?
1: Well, I love that they're called champagne questions because uh, who doesn't love champagne? (laughs) So this girl does. (laughs) It sounds like you do too. Yes, yes. Big (laughs) fan. Big fan. Uh, You know, I would say I'm real old school when it comes to, so I do use apps like Evernote and things of the sort. But on a day-to-day basis, um, there's a, a tool called Boomerang through Gmail and that helps with email management. And I think that sometimes we can get overwhelmed with our inboxes is so, you know, leveraging those tools that help. Got it. Keep your mind clear. uh, I think it's important. And And I, again, I mentioned that I'm old school. I just write stuff down on like sticky notes. And for me, I just like to see a check. Box next to them so that at the end of the day, I feel like I've accomplished something when I say, "Oh, I've checked, you know, five things off the paper." Uh, so for me, that that helps me manage my my task. And when I don't have those checks, I'm like, "Okay, girl, what have you been doing the last two hours?" So, <laughs> oh, like
0: you really like you really leverage that task list.
1: I do. I, I use it. It's it's
0: my my accountability partner. It's the cattle prod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And so, Minda, this is a, a shameless plug on my part as a woman who's trying to collect thirty-three thousand handwritten task lists. If you are just going to throw them away, please stash them in an envelope. When that envelope's filled, please send it to me if you're open to it.
1: I, I certainly will. Um, I will send you them. If you you probably cannot read them because there's that's fine. <laughs> So I was thinking too, uh, you mentioned what's your most impactful habit uh, outside of trying to keep my tasks together, mindful meditation and prayer. Uh, other women might find it's something else. Maybe it's cycling or yoga. But for me, that exercise and that time to just reflect on the day and set good intentions, that, that's what's helpful. And that's an everyday habit of mine.
0: Very cool. And what does setting intentions look like for you? Because I know it's it sounds like one of those things, and I know that's not how you're you're trying to serve it up to us, but it sounds like one of those things that people are here, like, I should be more intentional. And then they're like, what the hell does that mean, <laughs> like, in practice?
1: Yes, that's a good question. You, you pushed me on it. it. So for me, setting the intention is about what I want to happen during the week or during the day. So I, I have a good uh, friend uh, and colleague that we always say, okay, Friday what we need to celebrate a win So what are you going to do this week to make sure you have a win to celebrate this week? And so I'm I'm setting the attention that I'm going to take little losses, lots of wins, I'm going to be kind you know to all, I'm going to be thoughtful and um, I'm going to be productive. so setting, it's almost like an internal checklist of what you want to give out for the week and in, in hopes that you'll return. So for me, it, everybody's different. It might be what's on your vision board, or it might be um, internal task or tasks you want to complete for the week, but just putting them out and saying, you know, this is what I want to return back to me in this week and putting them out there and and, th- and making sure that those are top of mind throughout your week in your day so that you sow those seeds
0: to reap your harvest that's awesome thank you for sharing that I love it that it's it's what's coming out of you but also like what you're asking for in return all at the same time yes absolutely. brilliant thank brilliant <laughs> so Minda I know this next question will probably boggle your mind as a fellow lover of books or a sister lover of books I should say mm <laughs> What's been the book, or maybe it's a couple books, that have been either the most inspiring or the most useful to you? You've probably heard of this book, but one of them right
1: now is The Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. Yes. it's Yes. It's
0: huge. I was going to say, have you heavy. gotten through the whole thing?
1: <laughs> no, I just pick and choose. Like It's almost like the Bible. I read a few scriptures out of it each day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's how I operate through this big book. But there's, I mean, you talk about mentors. You may not ever meet, you know, T- Tony Robbins or someone like that, but they're in this book, dropping gems, dropping mics, and the that's where you're able to garner, you know, what are what are some of these top influencers doing in their day and their week, or how they problem solve. And so I think for. Whether you live in like Kansas or you live in Miami or you live in New York, I think everyone should have this book because you get the insight into what these people do each and every day. And and it's been so helpful uh, to me. So I I use it kind of like a a business Bible. And another book that I really enjoy is called The Artisan Soul, um, S-O-U-L, by Edwin McManus. And it's about creating your life um, into a work of art. And so I think that as we think about our lives, all of it, whether we're cre- I'm creating the memo or you're creating a life worth living, what does that look like and how is everything that we do is a piece of art? And so that's just been helpful. And I reread that book so much.
0: Wow, that's a new one to me. So I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's sort of that second book is a great segue into the next question, which is when you need inspiration to water, or where do you go? And, you know, for for people listening, this can be a work of art, a place, whatever stokes you.
1: Yeah, for me, ever since I was a teenager, and this is going to sound really odd, when I get money, I always wanted to go to the spa. So I was like the 16 year old at the spa, you know, because I worked, you know, I started working when I was maybe like 12 and so, whenever I'd save a little money, I'd I'd go to the spot. And so that's still I don't know where that came from either. That's probably because I was watching like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous back as a child.
0: So <laughs> you were you were having your champagne wishes and caviar yes. and
1: yes. And even to this day, when I when I'm feeling like I got to get away, it's going to the the massage therapist and just taking like an hour or ninety minutes, and that's my me time, and that's where I just decompress and. If you don't have the money to do that, um, just finding a quiet space just to reflect and enjoy. Because sometimes we just got to turn off the, the noise and just have a moment to think. And you sometimes you can do that at home, but sometimes you have to do it somewhere else. So finding where that place is for you and creating that internal vacation, even if you can't leave the city.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point, like calling it an internal vacation, because I, kn- I know and, and- You're probably up against these kinds of scheduling challenges where you look at your week and you're like, I can't fit in. I can fit in the massage or I can fit in getting to the spa and getting home. Like I have to pick or choose, right? Like I can't do both at the same time. So it's having like those backup things that feel like an internal vacation. And maybe it's just going to a coffee shop, you know, around the corner, but like sans phone, sans computer.
1: Yes, absolutely. Don't be afraid to put it on Do Not Disturb for a minute just so you can get some peace. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that Do
0: Not Disturb button is the best invention when they added that to the operating system.
1: Yes, uh, I, we, we we, clank our glasses to that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ching, ching. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And Minda, these next few questions are ones that are really important to me and and things that I think about a lot. And I love hearing other women's opinions on the state of being a woman. And I guess to start, how would you define being a modern woman? Well, I know, super small, right? (laughs) Yes, a modern
1: woman. Uh, You know, for me, it's, as a modern woman, we have so many resources. We're so accessible to so many things. And And for me, it's learning how to affirm yourself, because sometimes you're not going to get it from other people. So a modern woman can affirm herself. She can forgive herself. We're going to make some good and bad choices along the way. And we just have to be willing to forgive ourselves for those things that maybe we would have done differently. And uh, lastly, I'd say a modern woman can pace herself because, yeah, we want to get stuff done, but... We also want to get the right stuff done. So having that time to to pace ourselves and set those intentions on what needs to get done. So affirming, forgiving, and pacing is a modern woman in my book.
0: Ooh, I got shivers with that one. I like it. (laughs) Thank you. And is there anything, like as you think about where we can go and, and what that can look like, You know, are there any other items you'd like to see modern women give more or less of a shit about?
1: Well, to your point earlier, I think that self-care, we really need to stop making it like some great buzzword and really make it practical. So finding out what that self-care is. So I hope as women, because we have so much on our plate that we do take, we care more about it and we actually put it into work. But then I also conversely think that we should give less is what people think. And I think as women, we, we wonder, you know, what's the neighbor think? What's our boss think? What's so-and-so think? And, and that can really hinder us from moving forward uh, in our passion and our purpose. And I think if we care about the people that matter most in our life and about what they think is awesome, but also to just remembering what you think, what do you think about yourself is so important and so less about what others are thinking and more about what you're
0: thinking. That's so awesome. And especially, you know, when you were talking about, about life at the woman-on-woman crime scene you were describing, you were mentioning at first how it made it instantly – like, when you were getting judged by this woman, you instantly went to, is it is it something I'm doing wrong? Not like, hey, this person could be just an epic jerk. <laughs> yes. And so, like – I think that that plays in really nicely to reinforce kind of what you learned in that situation, like to really like look at who's judging you and, and think about how much we're taking in those judgments and, and how much it's impacting us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so had I done that sooner, then I probably would have not had so much stress on myself and second guess myself, but come to find out this person is still having trouble with other women of color that have been placed in the position. So it was never about me. I could have, you know, been the one that could fly through the ceiling and she never was going to accept me, you know. And when I found that out, I'm like, oh, wow, this, I mean, I I learned not to care so much, but, you know, it just goes to show that some people are just going to be
0: jerks and that's just who they're going to be. Yep. Well, a nice reminder for women. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And this is where I want to hand you the mic. So you got a glass of champagne in one hand, you got a mic in the other. And I want to ask, what do you most want Levital Vital Core Salon listeners to know? Yes. Well,
1: again, it's been such a pleasure just being able to talk to you about these these great issues that as women we, we face. And, and for me, it's investing yourself. I think it's so important for us to invest in ourselves. We'll invest in our wardrobe sometimes. We'll invest in our children. If you have them, you'll invest sometimes in, in your career. But don't be afraid to invest in you. If there's a new skill you want to learn or you you know want to lose a little weight, like don't be afraid. Whatever that is for you, you want to read more books, you want to learn a new language, put yourself first sometimes. And secondly, if there's someone in your office or in your life and you can help bring them up and provide a seat, at the table to do that, you know, because we have means we, we can bring in interns of color. We can bring in, um, you know, other women that look different from us, or we could bring them on a committee. Like think about the people in your circle and what they look like. And if it's not as diverse as it should be, think about how do you create
0: that atmosphere? We just
1: have to be thoughtful.
0: So important. So important. And sometimes so e- easier than we think. Too, right, like we think we have yes. to do all these, like, uh, like these big performance-worthy presentations of skills and all of this. But like, we can be, we can be modeling it, and we can putting, be putting our hand back really easily. Agreed. Oh, Minda, I'm, I'm so. I, I feel like I could do cartwheels after we get off this, this call. Um, this has just been such an extreme pleasure. And before I totally let you run away, can you tell women who, are, who want to learn more about you or, or connect with you and your work how they can do that? Yes,
1: thank you. I mean, it's such a great – I'm like, oh, are we over? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> we can
0: but, lunch uh, or champagne another day.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, we, we must. Um, but if you'd like to find out more about what we do, go to myweeklymemo.com. And on that website, subscribe to our weekly career memo or find me on twitter at minda hearts or at my weekly memo so i'm out there even if you google minda hearts you will find me so i'd love to hear from you
0: amazing thank you so much from the bottom of my heart it really this is truly a pleasure to get to to talk to you today thanks for being here
1: thank you so much have a great day
0: you too this is Kara again thank you so much for tuning in All of today's show notes can be found at levitalcoresalon.com, so L-E-V-I-T-A-L-C-O-R-P-S-S-A-L-O-N.com. If you dug today's show or past episode, please support this podcast by going to iTunes and rating and reviewing. It's super helpful to a brand new podcast like me, and I'd be greatly appreciative for your help. And new shows, just so you know, will be up on the second and fourth Wednesdays of each month. Before I bounce, I want to give a big merci beaucoup to my producer Craig Snyder and Rishi Deer of Elephant Stone for writing, and the High Dials for performing my most excellent theme song. And don't forget, you deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let burnout or bullshit slow you down. See you next time.